iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more. S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators, such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are unaffiliated entities. Hello, and thank you again for joining the Wealth Management Edge Visionaries podcast. I am Nadia Jenkins-Johnston, Senior Conference Producer for all things Wealth Management Edge, including Inside ETFs, Investment Edge, Retirement, Income Edge, Wealth Stack, along with Shannon Rosick. And I am very excited to welcome Dana Wilson, also known as Dana Disrupts to the podcast today. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. No, of course. Thank you for having me. Jack of all trades over there. <laughs> you, are, you are that the we're mastering. Things. I, you know, that, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> Dana, I am so thankful that you've taken time out of your busy schedule to work with us um, not only for the Visionaries podcast, which completely makes sense for you and for the work that you do in our community, uh, but also as a partner with, with, with wealthmanagement.com in several different ways, right? We've worked together on last year's Wealth Management Edge 2023. We'll do the same for 2024 in an even bigger way. Um, and I am very excited to really introduce anyone in our audience who does not know you. Uh, this is Dana Wilson, um, wearing many, many hats, but a CEO and founder of CHIP, which stands for Changing How Individuals Prosper. Dana, can you start by giving us a little bit of insight into the journey for the creation of CHIP, how that came out of your own experience um, and a little bit about what you do every day. So everyone understands that the way I do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't know if they want to hear about what I do every day. <laughs> That's either going to like scare them or just like make them turn off the, the podcast. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but no, I, I am so appreciative of the partnership and the relationship that we've continued to build with you all over at wealthmanagement.com. It's been just a great experience and I'm super excited uh, for this upcoming year. I, I don't know. It's, it's just like this good feeling about 2024 it just feels like something, a year of like robust magnitude of, of things is going to happen. So I know that it's going to be nothing short of, of all the things from last year. But yeah, I mean, fast forward to, to Chip and I just think my Entire experience in the financial services industry, uh, which I've tried to quit numerous times. I tell people that all the time. I've tried to exit. <laughs> it is one industry that will not let you exit. <laughs> like once you're in, you have the members only jacket for life for the most part, depending on what you do. The color of the jacket might change, uh, but it's it's sometimes hard to leave this industry. Uh, and I think it's just more so the reinvention of it every time is what has kept me here. But I started out in 
banking. I mean, to back up even more, I was actually an undergraduate marketing major. So I always kind of call myself more of a creative. I love to learn and grow and, and work with my hands and kind of get to the to the weeds of things, which I always find super interesting. And that's where I really thought I would hang my hat. I always equated finance with math. <laughs> and although uh, I was great at math, loved algebra and calculus, which is all very nerdy things, but I'm always into formulas. Uh, but finance and going into that side of the industry, I just would have never guessed this is where I would have ended up. But started out in banking, uh, did all things there was to do in a bank, moved over to insurance, uh, then further on to other opportunities in, in wealth management, corporate, smaller firms, private mm -hmm. firms, and then ran my own independent investment advisory practice uh, for a little while before getting into to chip and now on more of the fintech financial services technology side. But a lot of that was really just born out of not seeing myself reflected in a lot of different spaces within uh, the industry, within wealth management uh, and private wealth. It just seemed like once I left the bank landscape, uh, it was just kind of like, well, where are all the black and brown people? Where are all the women? Uh, when I initially left the bank and went into a more back office role, all of the women <laughs> that worked around me, and it was maybe only about three or four of us in an office, were all in support administrative roles. Uh, and I was in, you know, early 20s, you come out of college, you're all gung ho and excited to take over the world. And you're just like, <laughs> you oh, like, why are all the women in admin roles? And there's nothing wrong with those. Those roles are extremely important. But it didn't seem like there was a push to have more women in different areas of, of management or advisory. I think there was only one woman that was on the advisory team that I was working with uh, at that time. And I just did not understand that. I was like, why aren't we spread more across the, you know, the more uh, robust part of wealth management and private services and, and client relationships and all of that. So for me, just kind of taking in that and seeing it all the way through uh, my career, you get to a point where you're kind of numb to it because you're going through, you're doing your work, your head's down, and then you just get tired of that. <laughs> it's just like, why is this still the case? Why am I going to conferences and more so being mistaken for working at the conference place versus actually possibly being part of the conference? I mean, that was something um, that happened often to, to me as, as a Black person in the space as a Black woman. Uh, and, you know, you just kind of continue to have those things happen of not reflection, whether it's on stages and in places. And you just want to see change. And for me, I just wanted to see a change. Uh, I also noticed on the client side where Black and Brown individuals still felt stereotyped, uh, either maybe being in a bank branch or being, you know, a possibly picked for uh, what a what a private client would look like or a wealth cli wealthy client would look like, uh, and just wanted to make sure that there was room for both individuals to be at the table and to be able to create the generational wealth that they want to in order to really close this wealth gap uh, in America. And that's really the bigger bigger mission within Chip is what we're trying to solve for for so. In, in essence, CHIP is a B2B financial services marketplace, making it easier for individuals to find financial professionals of color. And we want both sides to come to the table, feeling seen, feeling heard, and feeling safe when it comes to their money and being able to build generational wealth and also scale up their human capital financial team. I think that the work that you do is so important, right? 
And part of that is Dana Wilson as the brand or better yet, Dana disrupts, right? <laughs> as as this, this personal and also professional brand that reaches out into into the the company's brand, right? Into Chip's brand and for all of the people that you lead. And so one thing that I think I'd be remiss not to ask because I'm sure lots of people want to ask is about that name, Dana Disrupts, right? (laughs) Dana, can you explain for our audience a little bit of where that comes from and how it applies to your work as a visionary every day, how it came about and a little bit of maybe where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like we all have a little bit of a disruptor <laughs> inside of ourselves. I think more of us lean into it <laughs> at different <laughs> different places in our lives. Uh, I was definitely always the little disruptor, although I'd never really had the title. Well, actually I was probably given the title <laughs> by numerous teachers um, who could, absolutely echo this um, and probably look at me now like, oh, wow, I'm glad something positive became of her. <laughs> but, you know, the the interesting thing is that when I had our first piece of media go out in Forbes, uh, the title of that article was really about me disrupting the financial services industry or wealth management industry. And when I read the title of it, because I didn't know the title before the article was going out, I just looked at it and I was like, wow, is that really what I'm doing? Am I disrupting something? And I think it just kind of sat with me uh, for a little bit because I think we equate different words to mean different things, right? I'm always, I've been in this space this past, like maybe two years or so where I've really taken time to just kind of redefine what certain words meant to me and even things that might have, or previously had maybe a negative connotation, turn that into something that is redefining in, in spirit and in vision for myself and made sense for where I am and where I'm trying to go personally and professionally. And I, you know, being that disruptor just kind of sat and, and soaked in all of my being. And then the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. You know, I've always been that person to ask why, um, not in a challenging way, but just because I always wanted to understand, you know, why did something have to be this particular way or done in this particular format? Uh, and I've always been that kid, probably to my mother's annoyance. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I think, you know, being able to be that kid and keeping that level of curiosity and, and perseverance and just the wonder of it all. I think somewhere along the lines, when we begin to grow up, the wonder starts to kind of leave because life and reality sets in all at the same time. And we're trying to juggle what we know about wonder and freedom and thinking in that way versus the reality of sometimes what our day-to-day lives look look like or might scale out to. So for me, Dana Disrupts is just the evolution of the person that I've always been and just leaning into who I am fully. Uh, not apologizing for any part of of anything, and really understanding that in order to be a to be a leader, to be someone who can put larger titles on themselves, you have to lean in fully to just be accepting of who you are, uh, and not let other people kind of put those titles on you in their own definition, right? Someone can say disruptor and it mean something totally different to them. Uh, but to me, it means someone who can look ahead. And I think that helps me steer 
the way that we want to continue to pull chip into the universe, the people mm-hmm. that we want to serve, helping them to disrupt their lives in a positive way that creates more generational wealth for themselves and for their families and ultimately for the world uh, in, in a sense. I think that there's no better uh, description or definition of disruptor um, than what you just what you just sort of gave to our audience. And I, I'm very happy to hear that. Dana, when I when I hear you speak about definitions and about disrupting the norm and also what is presented to us as the norm, right? The, the, the spaces that we are given rather than the spaces we'd like to create. I wonder, I wonder how you're able to get over the challenges perhaps that naturally present Ooh, themselves. That's the sermon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole, there's a lot of prayer. <laughs> there's a lot of like back end. They want to know what I do on my day to day. Why did I work out? Because that is how you channel the things, right? Like I'm crazy mm. to wake up and go run a marathon next year. But, you know, I, I <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the challenges, uh, um, are, are things that you have to, you have to face um, and you have to figure out what those challenges are. Actually, I don't even know if I let you finish your whole question. Was that? No, I think, I, I think, that, I think you, you're right on to the point. Right, so continue, right. please. Awesome. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, yeah, that's all of that. But yeah, you know, a lot of it is really just dealing with it. I remember, I mean, not that this was like years ago. Mm-hmm. So when I first uh, when I was living in North Carolina, I now live in the New York metropolitan uh, area, but I was living in North Carolina. I was working for State Farm at the time. Uh, and my initial goal at that period was to, I was leaving State Farm to actually pursue uh, my full-time MBA uh, at that time, which thankfully I just got done. Ooh, Lord, <laughs> whole nother right. Congratulations, Dana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we'll, we'll kind of catch the time frame up with, with this story. But I I remember when I first uh, left, which was, you know, consistent pay, consistent job, you know, all the things we had, you know, built the State Farm Agency up. I, I'd been with this gentleman for almost about maybe three and a half years from build out of the building with literally build out of the building in, in no heat and us building it and creating this space. And, you know, that's kind of where I got that entrepreneurial bug within myself. But within that time frame, when I made that decision to leave and, and go pursue something, something different. That was the first time where I felt like I really took that leap of faith to kind of bet on myself. And it was, it was scary. I remember I was living with my grandmother at the time and I, you know, finished my last day. I went home and I was literally laying on the floor, staring at the ceiling. And I was like, what did I just do? Like who, like who, who leaves their job? you know, and having all of these thoughts and, you know, having a plan, but not necessarily having it fully baked, but just betting on the fact that I knew that I needed something different. And I think I've always tried to uh, lead into those moments of just recognizing when I was hitting a wall and when my mind, body, and spirit were just not in alignment. And even though, you know, I think you have to have a strategy, you have to have a plan, you have to have some sort of understanding of what you're trying to do, but sometimes you do have to, you know, pick that up and and make that move. Uh, And 
for me, it was really about, okay, this is the next step or what I thought the next path step was for me to, to go into this journey of possibly doing my full-time MBA and the time and commitment that it would take for that. And in the reality of the fact that I just wasn't necessarily fulfilled uh, with the work that I was doing uh, at this company at this time and didn't want to go further with them. I was ready to move back into more of the city area. But to your point about, you know, challenges, I think that was the biggest point where I had to deal with and redefine fear. Uh, And it was just kind of that fear of failure and understanding what failure actually meant to me, right? Is failure quitting this job and like, what if all these things don't work out, right? What if I don't get into school? What if, uh, you know, I don't end up getting another job? Like we go through the spiraling of all the things that are more than likely never going to happen, right? Like something's going to work out, but I do believe um, in timing. So I, I allowed myself to sit in this though. I allowed myself to just have this moment still on the floor, staring at the ceiling I was like, okay, I give myself like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of whatever this is, this fear is, and then we're just going to sit here, deal with it. And then we're just going to work to what it now means to me. And in that same time frame, I had read this book called Fear of Failure, which I gave to someone I uh, would um, have the, the author, but it talked all about your relationship with fear. Uh, so when I started to kind of work through that, I think, you know, after that, I started to feel like there was nothing um, more from a fear perspective that I could take on once you start to just deal with it and be okay with it. Like if this doesn't work out, so what, right? Like (laughs) what's the worst that's going to happen? Um, and then, you know, continuing through my career, I think it went from the fear of failure to the fear of failure publicly, because I think those are two totally different things that we never really deal with. And in certain instances uh, within, uh, you know, my my life and in my career, I've just had to get over that. And I think finance to some degree, especially being on the advisory side where you're told no all the time. I'm used to hearing no, that's really not a big, a big deal. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I think it set me up to be a really good, you know, founder and, and startup founder because, you know, that that word doesn't necessarily bother me. For me, it's just like a not right now. And I really do believe in, in timing and space. But I think you have to give yourself the opportunity to sit in those moments of hard challenges, redefining words, redefining fear, failure, fear of failure publicly, at least for myself. And then after that, You know, not to say that you're untouchable, but your mindset and the shift in your body and the way you show up completely changes. Uh, You're able to just walk through life and walk through different paths and walk through possible challenges with a new outlook, even though those, you know, different instances are still going to be challenging, but you have new tools to to do that uh, and to pursue those things, whether it's a personal or professional challenge. You have to give yourself new language. You know, and a lot of that is through um, therapy as well. I'm a big proponent of like your mental health, self-care, all the things you need to do to put your mask on first. I like this. There's so many things to take away from what you just said. I think the last thing, right, uh, is this this phrase uh, to put your mask on first, right? We are, we're talking about what it means to be prepared to do the work that will have impact. And so the, if I'm correct and correct me if I'm wrong, the putting your mask on first is a reference to, you know, if something happens on a plane, 
and you're with your loved ones and you want to make sure that they're taken care of, you need to take care of yourself first. You need to put your mask on first. Absolutely. We're all trying to save everyone, but if you know, you're not able to to walk yourself, you can't teach others to walk or to jump or to, you know, drive or to do all the other things um, that you want them to be successful at. You have to start with you. Uh, and we're so used, especially as women, naturally, mm -hmm. uh, we're used to being givers and, and providers in a different, more empathetic way. Uh, and we have to start pouring that back in so that we can start to move forward uh, as fearless as possible. I loved your discourse on fear, on redefining fear, but also it sounds to me almost like a, almost like fear prepares you to take on greater challenges. That first uh, inoculation, if if, um, if if I may, that that first sort of um, facing the truth and facing all of the questions, right? Truth is an interesting concept, but facing the questions that are brought to you as you're laying on your back, staring at the ceiling, wondering about the decision that you have definitely just made, not are going to make, but have already made, and then are thinking about the ramifications of it in the kind of pure daylight of, of, uh, uh, of the questions that come to you, right? Oh, yeah. How, how do you differentiate? How do you draw a line in the sand between what is useful, actual information that your experiences and all you know about the world, right? What's the difference between that, that information and the questions that will come to block you from moving forward? How do you deal with creating a line in the sand between what you feel like is just reality, overwhelming reality, reality that is not friendly to your goals, right? How do you, how do you decide what to focus on? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, it's tough too, because it gets tougher, you know, the more you, you grow and the more you learn about life and the more you learn about yourself. Uh, and I, I think for myself, the one thing that I try to do, even in though in most instances, it's the hardest to do is really remove as much emotion as I can from it. Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of times emotion will take over and that's kind of where the fear and all of like the crazy thoughts that we have sort of tap in, you know, tap in, right. Once yes. we start, once we get down that rabbit hole or enter the rabbit hole, everything comes in, right. All of a sudden now you quit your job and now a, a monsoon is going to come, right. Like, you know, a literal monsoon is going to come and then sweep your car away. You know, all, we like, we get into all of these <laughs> like crazy and ending scenarios of like this movie, uh, you know, life that's going to happen. But I think for me, it's trying to really separate that emotional side from it, from what is actually in my face and in the reality and the challenge in what I can, I can do. Um, I try my hardest not to put too much on myself and on, and on my brain, um, that is going to really essentially, you know, weigh me down in, in some way. And, and I think a lot of it is just being able to pull out the emotional part of it, the part of it that is making it even maybe more scary uh, for you to make that decision. And some of it is just really relying and betting on yourself. Cause at some point you do have to 
make a decision and, and take that leap. And I think a lot of times we've already made those decisions and taken that leap. We just haven't necessarily acted on it. Uh, and a lot of it is just telling yourself that, hey, it's it's going to be okay. It's going to be, it's going to work out. Uh, you know, I don't believe anything happens by accident. You know, I do think that when you start to pour into the universe in a particular way and you start moving down the path that you're supposed to be on, everything just starts to make sense. Uh, and it happens in a very fast and a very weird way. You know, the minute and I've taken, I think, several leaps. So, you know, there was a one from just State Farm kind of leaving that bigger umbrella yes. <laughs> of a company uh, to then, you know, starting my own independent practice, which was scary in itself and in a leap of like into the unknown of building a business. And now, now even down the further of the rabbit hole, because this is just what I do <laughs> uh, in starting a startup, right? There's literally no floor. There is no roadmap. But what I realized the minute and with every scenario that I've done that is that the world shows up uh, and the world shows up because you finally show up. You know, you can't expect that the world's just going to show up because you do this thing. You also have to show up um, a thousand percent of, of your full self and, and give it every everything for the world to match you in that way. So I think sometimes we have this unrealistic uh approach where we think, okay, if I do this thing and if I just kind of, you know, teeter around with it, something will happen. And it's like, no, you actually have to sometimes put yourself fully into whatever you're trying to pursue so that the world kind of bends and all of a sudden the connections are happening and, you know, you're meeting certain people and they're connecting the dots in a very weird way. And you just walk off the train and you end up meeting this random person who can actually get you to that that next person that you've been looking for or something opens up, like it, it just starts to happen and you start to manifest things differently. Uh, so for me, I have to sometimes back out and get myself out of the way. And a lot of that comes into, again, the emotion and being able to allow myself to think clearly and, and think yes. from a focused place as opposed to start creating stories that have never happened and more than likely will never happen. And it's not an easy thing to do but you just have to consistently train your mind uh, and your body to react in, in a much different way. You, you have heard it here, probably not first, probably not for the first time, which is how we know that, that information sometimes is, is, is just what we need to hear. It's that, that second hearing, it's that repetition that often leads us to the right decisions and I think that what we've heard here from you today, Dana, helps those that are at those crossroads, right? About uh, about to take the leap, about to move forward. And we are just so thankful for you sharing your experience and your story and your journey. Uh, this is a powerful Visionaries podcast, folks. So um, definitely reach out to Dana on LinkedIn, on all social media, um, continue, uh, Dana, to disrupt because we need disruptors like you. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are proud to support the Edge podcast and financial advisors. With more than 1,250 products worldwide, iShares is dedicated to empowering millions of people to make their money work for them. Visit www.ishares.com to learn more.
S&P Dow Jones Indices is the largest global resource for essential index-based concepts, data and research, and home to iconic financial market indicators, such as the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. iShares and S&P Dow Jones Indices are unaffiliated entities.